Thank you for tuning into our podcast this morning. This is week four of our sermon series entitled David. I hope that you're enjoying this series as much as I am. It has really had a way of opening up certain feelings for me to look at and understand where they're coming from and maybe even understand a little more of where I'm going to. I think that's what I have gotten out of this sermon series is it's not about where I've been. It's not even really as much about where I'm going or who I'm going to be when I get there. But I believe it's all about the journey of how we deal with life as we go through it, searching for our destiny, searching for heaven, This is a great process that God has put each one of us in. An individual, each one of us has our own process to go through to reach our destiny of what God has called us to do. Anyway, I hope you're enjoying this podcast. The message will be getting started here in just a few minutes. But I did want to give you a quick announcement. June 23rd, June 23rd, write that date down. It's our church in the park which is at the Lumber Jubilee in Tuolumne. It's Church in the Park at the Jubilee. They actually uh, set aside and schedule a time for us to hold our church service in the park. And this year we have a great singer, songwriter, entertainer, speaker, um, minister of the gospel. His name is Bob Kilpatrick. He is going to come and be with us on that Sunday morning. And you cannot miss this. Please come out. It'll be June 23rd, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. in the park, Tuolumne City. God bless, brothers and sisters. I hope to see you all soon. This week, I believe, is week four. And I hope that you've been enjoying this series on David as much as I have. We've been looking at David's life from where he was to where God is leading him to be. We're seeing the process, and it's not always easy to watch. We see what David is going through. The feelings he expresses can sometimes be the same feelings that we feel in our everyday lives, which are full of victories and defeats. But this is honestly what I'm getting out of this. I can see this so clearly in David's life. It isn't really about where we're at right now because we all know that it's going to change. And it isn't really all about where God plans for us to be in the future, although there's a destiny for each and every one of us and we know that we have a destiny. It's something that God has called us to. But what it's really, I believe, about is the journey. It's how we get from there to there how David came from the sheep pens all the way to being the king. It wasn't an easy process, and that's why we're looking at it. The journey is a process that God is using to develop the king in David. And it's our journey, it's our process, that this very same God of David is using to develop you and to develop me to get us ready for our destiny. Well, what is your destiny? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That's for you and God to figure out. But this is one thing that I can tell you. 
It's your job to serve your journey and where you're at. That's our job, to serve right where we're at in the process that God has us. Wherever we're going in life, we need to be serving, whether it be our jobs, whether it be our families, whether it be the school, the church, all the things that God has us a part of, is that we have to serve in that place where we're at. Point number one of this message is serve the purpose. Serve the purpose. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Do you realize what you do every day isn't about who you're working for? It's about him. Do it as unto the Lord. If we can start doing that, we'll see everything begin to approve. We're not doing it for our human masters. We're doing it for God. You want change to come in your life? Then you have to stop complaining about what's going on and start serving. That's where we're at. That's what we have to do. You have to serve exactly where you're at today. Today we're going to look at Psalm 57.2, a statement that David made. I believe in all my heart this is one of the best statements, or you could actually call it a creed, that David had ever spoke. We're going to look at this creed, and then we're going to look at what was going on in his life. What was the backstory to why he said what he said? Psalms 57.2, very simple. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. If you will allow that to sink in, it literally could lower your blood pressure. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Are you getting that? Repeat it with me. I cry to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. You cry out to God most high, it's saying that we, he's in control of everything. He's in control. I cry out to God. I give it all to you, God. And I know no matter what it is I'm going through today, you're going to fulfill your purpose for me in my life. And we have to have, David had that confidence we heard last week, David wasn't always happy. Do you remember last week him crying out to God and telling God exactly how he felt about the situation that he was in? How many of you practice praying out loud this week? I asked you all to. I got one. I got two, three. All right. Praying out loud, talking to God exactly the way King David was doing. It's not about just sitting and closing our eyes and worrying for a bit and calling it prayer. It's about talking to God. We have to let this soak in. 
But what we see and hear, this is a promise from God. God who fulfills his purpose for me. I like promises. Do you like promises? I like it. But you have to understand that we have a part of the promise. We have a part that we have to do. He's made promises to take care of us, but what do we have to do? Well, look at how David finished this Psalm 57. He says, 57, 9, he says, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching into the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Do you see what David was doing? He was praising God. And we're going to look here in a minute where David was at when he wrote this. All right. He was in a cave. He was in a cave. He was hiding from Saul. And this is what he wrote. That I know your purpose is going to be fulfilled in my life, even if I don't like where I'm at today. This is a great story that we're going to be looking at today. But we have to understand that we have to do our part. I love this promise. It's not on a slide, dear. My God will meet all my needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Don't y'all love that? That's an amen promise. I like it. I believe it. But here's the question. How do I receive it? And you see, unlike the world's system, our account grows as we give its contents away and invest into other people's welfare for the cause of the gospel. As we serve and meet others, various needs, monetary support, prayer, service, God, our personal advisor, replenishes our account so that we never run out. He makes sure it will continue to grow as we invest in his plan over the course of our lifetime. If we will have open hands here, he will pour out blessings upon us. But we have to be willing to give away what God has given us to be able to take care of the needy, to be able to feed the lost, to be able to feed the hungry, to be able to reach out to our community. We have to be able to do that. So let's get back to this Psalms 57.2. He said, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. David didn't write this while he was on the beach, lounging on a beach towel, soaking in the sun. It would be easy to say this creed like this if everything is beautiful in your life. Oh God, everything is beautiful. Everybody's happy, everybody's healthy. We have plenty of money and we have no need. But what about if you were in the dark and you couldn't see your way? This is where David was at. He's called to be king, and yet he was hiding in a cave. Now, we understand from the last few weeks, he's not alone anymore. God gave him 400 knuckleheads, remember? All the ones who were disgusted and broke and in trouble. His mighty men. I know a lot of those guys. Man. And that's who God gave him. 
You remember last week or a week to whenever we were talking about it, it was like David had to be going, really, God? You gave me these guys? And yet these guys are the ones that are going to take him all the way to the kingship. These guys are willing to fight and die for him. In fact, as the chapters go on, you'll see probably in the very next chapter, it says it grew from 400 to 600. His army continues to grow. But he's with these 400 men, and he's in a cave. The backstory is 1 Samuel 24. Let's start with verse 1. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David was in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000, think about this, 3,000. 3,000. Can you imagine how long of a horse ride that would be with 3,000 guys? That's amazing. That's a lot of people. With 3,000 able young men, all of Israel, and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. Now this is clear, and we must understand this. If you're serving your purpose right here, right now, for where you're at, which will lead you to your destination, your calling, I guarantee you Satan will send out special forces to disrupt you. That's what's going on here. Satan will send out special forces to take you out. He does not want David to reach his destiny. But that's what's going on. Let's look at verse 3. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. Thank you. A cave was there, and Saul went to relieve himself, and David and his men were far back in the cave. The Bible says he went in to relieve himself. It means to relieve himself, Christians. Do we understand what he was talking about? You can look it up in the Hebrew and the Greek, even in Spanish. It also is the same thing. He went in to relieve himself. I'm so tempted, but I'm not going to go there. But verse 24, the men said, Holy crap! This is the day the Lord has made! I said it, didn't I? This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said, I will give you the enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Just a corner of his robe he cut off. It's an interesting thing. Point number two is cutting corners. Actually, I entitled this message, Cutting Corners. This is so interesting that David is a refugee in a foreign land running from a king who is losing his mind. And here he has an opportunity to take Saul's life. Why shouldn't he? Why shouldn't he? Saul is trying to kill him. Why shouldn't David retaliate? Even David's men, who were willing to die for him, were trying to convince David to take Saul's life. I think probably most of us might have been convinced 
But David knew that he had a purpose. And his purpose wasn't to kill Saul. I believe it comes down to he was faced with a decision to take the position he is called to by his own power or to wait on God to put him in that place. It's a very interesting thing. He had opportunity to take Saul's life and he would have became king. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. Even Saul's 3,000 men probably knew that he was a little bit crazy with all that he had been doing. The hand of God had been taken off of him. It had been put on David. He knew it. And all he wanted to do was to kill David. And this is the young man that Saul truly loved like a son, is what the Bible tells us. It was a difficult thing. But David had an understanding that he knew he had a purpose. How many of us here right now are not living in our purpose? Yes, of course, we're Christians, and maybe we're trying to be something that God has never created us to be. Maybe others say to us what would be good for us, and some people, you know, some people will actually get married thinking that they're fixing their own life, using that situation to fix something. And then they wonder why it doesn't work or that it's not working. We all have a job to do. And we all have a position, a purpose that we're trying to fill. I've been preaching at this church for some years now. And never once have I have I had my microphone, which half the time doesn't work, but it has never tried to hold my Bible. It has never. The doggone thing always lays over here. It never holds my Bible. But yet this pulpit, it doesn't amplify my voice, but it holds my Bible really nice. They both have specific jobs to do, and they're doing it. Now, when they're not doing their jobs, does that mean they're not worthy to keep? Of course not. They have a job to do. When their time comes, their job will be there and ready for them to do. But so often, we get involved in things that aren't our job to do, that God didn't call us to do, and we wind up being frustrated, and we can't figure out why this isn't working. It's not that they're not doing something that isn't valuable, because they are. But we have to stop allowing people to inflict of us their views of what they think we should be doing. Your purpose is yours, and it's not what others think. It's what God has called you to do, what your purpose is in your life. But let me put in a little disclaimer. If there is someone you trust as a spiritual leader in your life, and he or she is trying to speak to you, please pay attention. Please pay attention. If someone is a spiritual leader to you and you trust their opinion and they're trying to talk to you about your purpose or what you're doing, whether it's not working or, or, or it is working, please pay attention. But what if you're being blasted by people on Facebook trying to tell you you're wasting your time doing all the extras that you do for the school and for your church? You have my permission to completely ignore them. Absolutely, completely. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 
It says, now, if a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. If it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body, what would happen? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That is so absolutely ridiculous. We're all part of the body of Christ. We all have different functions and different positions. And so many of us are never seen. You know, what's interesting is I think, honestly, I see myself this way. I'm probably, I can't straighten a finger out because of my arthritis. I'm probably like the little finger of this church. And guess what? If you cut the little finger off, the hand still works. The church would survive. It just would. But there are a lot of people involved in the church that we don't ever think, we don't ever see. They're down there taking care of our kids, which aren't here right now, but they're down there taking care of our kids, or they're in the kitchen cooking. They're doing, they're, they're inviting their neighbors to church. That's a calling. And we don't ever see these people. We don't acknowledge them. I get all the glory because I'm the guy up here talking. I'm the talking head, you know, that's up here flapping my jaws every Sunday. The importance is probably about that much because it's a body. It requires a body. It requires all of us to do and to work together to be able to complete this journey for this church. For this church. Paul was saying here, the most important people of the church are possibly the people you'll never see. David realizes his purpose in life. And he does realize that he wasn't set out to cut corners. He never had to do it before. And he didn't have to do it here. He understood that there's a process. He knew that becoming king was not going to be easy. It wasn't just going to be on the moving sidewalk as he goes by all the people waving and become king. He knew this was going to be a process. When he was anointed to be the king, he was 15 years old. At this point, he's probably 20. He's still got a lot to learn. And God is developing in him the king that is going to be. And he had to go through these things. So let's look at Samuel 24.4. It says, Then the men said... This is the day the Lord had spoken of when he said to you, David, I will give you your enemy into your hands. Now, I get that. I've heard that statement many times in the Bible. I will give your enemy into your hands. Have you guys ever heard that? It's been sent. How many times have you heard this statement? For you to deal with as you wish. I searched high. I searched a little. I looked into every commentary. I, I, I went online. I put this in there. I tried to find anybody who had anything to say about it. It's never been spoken before in the Bible and never again. And that was these guys telling David, God said you can do what you want to him. Do as you wish. How often do we get bad advice? How often do we get advice that, hey, sue him. It's your right. Take them to court. Do what you got to do. Punish them. It's your right to do. But David, he listened, but he didn't. He says, 
for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe while he's squatting in a cave. What a way to picture a king, huh? King of all of Israel, first king of Israel, squatting in a cave. And David has the ability to sneak up on him and cut his robe. I mean, I kind of wonder how did Saul even get by his special forces to get into the cave to be alone? It's like somebody dropped the ball here. All of David's men, 400 of them, are in the back of the cave, and Saul is in the front of the cave relieving himself. David could have very easily killed him, could have very easily taken his life, but he didn't. He just cut his robe. Now let's look at verse 5. Afterward, everybody say afterward. 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 David was conscious stricken. You see that? Afterward, cutting his robe, David was conscious stricken. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. Now, don't we know that God's already lifted the anointing off of Saul? but he's still in position. We talked about that on lesson one. Just because the anointing's been off you doesn't mean you're not in position. He's still the king. And as far as David is concerned, anointed or not, he's my king. See, this is a problem with our nation today. I don't care whether you love Trump or hate Trump. Guess what, folks? He's your president. I don't care whether you loved Obama or hated Obama. He was my president while he was president. And I didn't necessarily like the things he was doing. But that's me. That's for me to deal with. And for me to choose who I'm going to vote for next. But our country is so turned upside down because people like David, he said, he is my king. He is the Lord's anointed. Whether he's right or whether he's wrong, he's trying to take my life. I will not. I will not lay a hand upon him. And he was feeling guilty. For cutting a corner. He was feeling really guilty about that. So he has this motivational speech to his men and he tells them. During this speech, Saul leaves the cave. His opportunity leaves. He leaves the cave and he's walking away. If you have Bibles, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel. 24, verse 8. I didn't put all this on the screen because it was, honestly, I was tired. I was doing it about 9 o'clock last night, and I said, that's enough. We can open a Bible. If not, you can listen to me if you didn't bring your Bible, if there isn't one in front of you. Pay attention to what's being said here. So Saul had walked out of the cave and went back to his men. Fact is, I'm not even going to look at my notes. I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you out of the Bible. It says here, David also afterward went out of the cave and called to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth, and he bowed down. 
Verse 9, it says, And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks you harm? Verse 10, Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against you, Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, can you see the relationship here between these guys? Wait until David, or Saul responds. He says, moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe. Here it is. Here it is, Saul. Take a look. I had my opportunity. I had you in my hands. Here's the proof. Right here in my hand. I could have took you out. And and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. And I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. Verse 13, as the prophet of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? What was he saying? He said, I'm nobody in your sight. Who are you out here? You got 3,000 men hunting for me who hasn't done anything to you? David's pleading his case. Verse 15, Therefore let the Lord be the judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. Verse 16, So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. All those lousy things you was thinking about Saul, you need to just let it go. Saul had a heart for David. He knows that David is the next anointed one to be king. Saul and David are having a moment here, and I think we need to pay attention. He says, verse 17, Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will let him get away safely. Therefore, may the Lord reward you 
with good for all that you have done this day. Verse 20, And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me. We'll see this later come back up. Because he did not. And he could have wiped them all out. It was very typical in this time that someone else takes over the king, whether it be through rebellion or whatever, that they wipe out the rest of the family. I mean, they're just gone. But Saul is saying here, please, do not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul, and Saul went home, and David, his men, went up to the stronghold. Sounds like the story's over, huh? It's far from over. We're going to see in just a couple more chapters that Saul begins to lose his mind again. And he goes back after David. It's not over. It's far from over. But there was a moment here that Saul had some clarity. I think that God opened his eyes. And he had some clarity that, that David really was the anointed man. And that God is creating in him and developing in him to be king. But there's a whole lot more to being king because it was David who said, I am not going to be king like this. I don't need to sneak around and cut corners. I don't need to cut the man's robe. I am not going to become king by taking his life. I remember the days when I was looking to leave this church and move on to another because there was no way that I was going to try to take this job from my pastor, Kevin. There was no way. I had no idea that he was ready to retire. I had no idea whatsoever, none. And I planned to leave and go somewhere else. And that's why these precious people here stopped me and said, no, hang on. We need to talk. What do you need to talk about? Well, we need to find out where Kevin's at. Then that's your conversation to have with him. Not with me, because I want no part of it. I want no part of far as he is my pastor. And I am here as his associate pastor. I am here to protect him and to serve him. There's no way that I would try to get into the door that way. Just like David was saying, there's no way that he is going to cut those corners to become king. And we need to stop cutting corners in our life and just do it the right way. God's purpose, his timing, allow his timing to open the door. I had no way ever dreamt that I would be here for this long. Praise God, I'm still here, and I love every one of you. But it's God's hand. It's not mine. And in our lives, if we're having problems trying to push, trying to get it forward, how about just serving where you're at right now? How about just whatever it is you're doing? Whatever it is you're doing, how about just, how can I serve? How can I serve you? That's what we need to be. We need to have a heart of servanthood. If it's at your job, 
and you're struggling with your job, you're not really happy with that job, things just aren't going well, there's this person that is driving you absolutely insane. How about going back on Monday, Tuesday, begins the holiday, and say, how can I serve? How can I make your job a better place for you to be? It's amazing what God will do when we begin to serve our purpose right where we're at. David wasn't trying to be the king. God had called him to be a king. He didn't ask for the job. He didn't apply for the job. And yet he's going to be the king, and he knows that God is developing him to become a king. But he reaches it, all of it, by service. Right where he's at, whether it was in a sheep pen, serving the sheep, serving his father. Do you remember when his father asked him to take the cheese sandwiches out to his brothers and he ran into Goliath instead? It was all about service. And that's where we need to be. We need to be in the art of service wherever we're at, wherever your life is at. We're all in a different place, every one of us. And I'm telling you, we need to serve more. Our neighbors, our husbands, our wives, we need to serve. Can I get an amen? Amen. Tony, could you come and close with some music, please? Well, he's coming to the piano. I always take this time opportunity to, I'd love to be able to pray for you. We're going to stand here in a second and worship just a little bit before we go home. But if you have a prayer request, please come. Please come and allow Joe and I to pray for you. It could be for a child, a mother, a father, a brother. It could be anything. But we make this opportunity for you. Take opportunity. Get prayer. Let's all stand together. I want you to sing. Lord, hallelujah, Father. Yes, Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. 
Yes, Lord. Amen, amen. Heavenly Father, I ask your blessing upon your people. Father, as they head out on this Memorial Day weekend, hopefully seeing family and barbecuing and being together, bless your people today, Father. Help each one to see their purpose and the place that they should serve right where they're at. We don't have to go start something new. Just serve where we're at. Father, I ask your blessing upon your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters.